Christmas. I know what you were, some of you are thinking. If anybody yells out, hey, Kool-Aid man, the ushers have been instructed to carry you out. When my son was about 11 years old, his best friend, a guy by the name of Caleb Walden, love him to death, was sitting next to my son on the couch, and I walked into the room, and he said, hey, Rick, can I ask you a question? He goes, have you ever lied to your son? I said, absolutely not, dude. I said, even if it's painful, I always tell him the truth. And he said, did you tell him there was a Santa Claus? I said, I sure did. And he said, was that a lie? And I said, Caleb, a jolly fat, a jolly fat guy's been putting presents under that tree ever since the day that kid was born. <laughs> hey, guys, we are so excited about our Christmas Eve services. Um, just want to let you know, we have five services coming up on Christmas Eve. Three at our West Campus, five right here. We are not having service on Sunday morning. The first one Sunday is at 1 o'clock. We're having Saturday services um, starting at 3 and 5 here. I want to encourage you to invite, invite, invite. I mean, what if this is the year that you bring somebody and they come to know Jesus? Wouldn't that be an amazing present? Take three or four of those cards. Give them out. School, if you're still in school, work, wherever you're at, hand those out. Let me pray. Father, we love you and worship you and praise you. What a great God. What a great God. Father, I pray that we would never lose the wonder of our salvation. God, I'm so excited about being at this church, let alone the excitement of being in your kingdom, of knowing you. Let us never lose the excitement of Jesus. Never, God. Never lose the joy. Never lose the the assurance of a better place where we will go one day and we will spend eternity. And God, I am so grateful. Let us all just be overwhelmed with that. Father, this morning, come and overwhelm us. Anoint us with the oil of joy. Speak, for I ask it in Christ's precious name. Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Well, welcome here. Welcome to our Newburgh campus, our West campus. Uh, Facebook Live, welcome and Merry Christmas. It is the season for the entire world to remember Jesus. Nativity scenes are popping up. The, the little drummer boy was on TV, and that's the story of a lonely, angry orphan boy who comes to Christ and then, and then just can't wait to give Jesus the, the greatest present that he has in his gift of music. Silent Night is on secular radio stations and, and Christmas, Christian radio stations. Right now, Jesus is everywhere for everybody. But to some of us, Jesus isn't seasonal, is he? he? He's not only the reason for the season, he's our source of joy and salvation. He's our redeemer, the one who bought us back from sin. He's the one who gives us a hope for a magnificent eternity. And one of the things that I'm most grateful to God about is, isn't that I get to go to heaven, although I'm pretty grateful for that but that my wife, my son, my daughter, my son-in-law, my family, my friends will be there with me. Here's what I want to encourage all of us to do today and throughout this season. I want all of us to really remember our first encounter with Jesus. Now, I'm talking to Christians right now. People would say, yeah, I know for sure that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I want you to think about the first time you met Jesus. Where, where were you? Why were you there? Maybe you were in a Christmas Eve service. Maybe you were in a church. Maybe you were in a camp. Maybe you were in somebody's living room. Where were you? Why were you there? Did someone invite you? 
What's the name of the person who is most responsible for you coming to Jesus? I want you to remember it all. But I don't want us to just remember it today. I want us all to consider doing something about it. John, the writer of the fourth gospel, talks about Jesus' arrival on earth. And he doesn't get into the fact that Jesus was born in a barn. He doesn't mention the angels or, or, or the manger scene. He simply says this in John chapter 1, verse 10. He, meaning Jesus... He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, but even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or, or plan, but a birth that comes from God. John is caught up in the fact that the light had come into the darkness. Light had entered a dark world, and, and he got to be a part of it. Let's look at it again, John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who believed in him, Jesus, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. That's the gospel. Anyone who simply believes in Jesus becomes a child of God. Not a creation any longer, but a child. It's not really all that complicated. In fact, if you're here today and you don't personally know Jesus as the one who saved you from your sins or all the things that you've done wrong, then I, I pray and beg that you'll let that be your Christmas present from God today. Whoever calls upon the name of Christ to be their Savior is saved from sin. Romans chapter, 20, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And, and as if that were too complicated, Paul, the God-inspired writer of Romans, simplifies it even more in verse 13. He, he says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody calls upon Christ, there's an immediate transition. The lost become found. Heaven is put in your retirement portfolio. And even the government can't take that away from you. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. God himself, the Holy Spirit, in the form of the Holy Spirit, takes a permanent residency in your life. And you're no longer alone. Even when you feel like God has abandoned you, he has not. He's as near to you as your breath. And if God has done all of that for you and me, then my question today is, what is your response to that? What should your response be? Here's the most simple and profound truth of the Bible. If a person who is far from God, will simply call upon the name of Jesus to save them, then they are indeed saved. Now, listen, I fully understand that that doesn't make sense to everyone. The Apostle Paul himself said in Corinthians that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. Not, not everybody gets it. Not everybody understands the simplistic, powerful, life-altering love that God has for all of us. The fact that the God the Father would love us enough to send his son into the world to wash away all of our wrongs. 
There are those who reject Jesus. Remember the words of John, verse 10? He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. The gospel is good news, but only to those who get it. It's a never-ending source of joy to those who find the light in a dark world. I do not want to lose the joy of my salvation. If you are a Christian and you are always miserable, always whining, always complaining, then I promise you, you have missed it. It's a never-ending source of joy. And the more you and I begin to understand the gift of salvation, the deeper and the wider the love of God becomes to us. I heard somebody recently say that, that, that grace, that, that's undeserved forgiveness, is so powerful that it's almost offensive. The story of the, the, the guy who's killed people or the, the guy who's done horrible things or the woman who's done terrible things, and then she comes to Jesus. And I've heard people say, are you kidding me? Even they can be forgiven, sins washed away. Grace is so powerful, it's sometimes offensive. You know, joy literally entered the world at the birth of Christ. In Luke's gospel, Luke includes a little more of the fluff and the aesthetic beauty of, of Christ's birth. Luke chapter 2, it says, That night, the night that God became man and was born on earth, that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared around them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. I mean, the sky just lit up. It says they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The creation that had been sold out to wrong acts and evil practices was about to be brought back to righteousness and, and bought back to right standing with God. And the angels were stoked. They were so excited that they showed up in mass. Luke chapter 2, verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of God, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. That. That was an amazing day, wasn't it? An amazing day that took place a little over 2,000 years ago. In fact, one might be tempted to say, <clears throat> one might be tempted to say that that was and is the greatest day in all of history. Joy had entered the world. The Savior had been born. The sky was lit up like a Christmas tree and was filled with angelic voices. We can only conclude that the devil was on the run. So my question is, could God get any better the, the savior had been born could, 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 could God get any more awesome you know what my answer to that question is absolutely to me personally the greatest day in history was not December a couple of thousand years ago or whatever month it was to me personally the greatest day in history was December 29th 1979. The actual birth of Christ happened more than 2,000 years ago for the entire world, but it happened for me just after Christmas. It was December 29th, and I was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee at a camp where a man stood on stage and said, you can know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die? That's what got me, for sure, 
I remember him saying those words. That is the day that true joy entered into my world for me, and that was the greatest day of my life. That's when I heard the good news of great joy. That's when the angels sang for me. I was lost. I knew about God, but I didn't know him. I knew there was a literal heaven, but I knew I wasn't going until that day. I still remember the scripture that I heard that changed my life 38 years ago next week. 1 John chapter 5, this is what he read from the stage. I'll never forget it. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Wow, that's pretty simple. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the son of God that's so that you may no, that you have eternal life. I was blown away. The words that got me were so that you may know that you have eternal life. I could know, not hope, wish, or try. That was the greatest day of my life. The angels literally could not contain their joy at the good news, and I literally cannot contain my joy now. I'm telling, my salvation experience took place exactly 38 years ago this month and I still can't stop can't stop thanking God and being grateful listen folks I don't have time to be miserable or worry about crazy little things I've got a world to tell about Jesus I clearly remember that day but I don't want to just remember it I want to do something about it I'm not concerned about how comfortable I am. I'm concerned about how comfortable you are in the world around us. See, being grateful is not and never, ever will be enough for me, and it should not be enough for you. Legitimate gratitude always leads to legitimate action. Well, let me say that again. Legitimate gratitude always leads to legitimate action we are called to share the light in mark chapter 5 jesus comes upon a demon possessed man scary dude mark chapter 5 describes in mark chapter 5 verse 2 when jesus climbed out of the boat a man possessed by an evil spirit came running out of the tombs to meet him this man lived in burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with chains Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists, smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. This man was literally evil. He was lonely and isolated, wandering around in caves. He was in trouble with the law. And although they kept putting him in chains, he kept breaking them and getting away. He was self-abusive. The Bible says he cut himself with sharp rocks. This dude needed Jesus. And you know the first thing Jesus does when he meets him, when a guy comes running up to him? You know the first question Jesus said is, what's your name? Jesus engages him in conversation. He learns his name and he heals him. And you want to know why God does that? Because that's how God really is. He cares. If you don't know that, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read how many times the Bible will say Jesus was 
filled with compassion. He worried about people who were hungry. He worried about people who were lonely. He worried about people who were sick. He worried about people who were grieving. Jesus restores this man's dignity because that's what Jesus does and that's what he did for me. All past wrongs are forgiven by God himself. Has Jesus done that for you? Are you sitting out here today saying, yes, absolutely, I know for sure that I am going to heaven when I die. My question is, then what are you doing for him? This isn't a condemnation message. I think you're going to find peace in this. Look at the man's reaction when it comes time for Jesus to leave. Mark chapter 5, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus is getting in the boat, and this dude's getting in the boat with him. But Jesus said, no, go, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. You get it? This guy became a teller. He was climbing into the boat. God, I'm going with you. <clears throat> She said, no, man, go home, go back to your family. But you make sure you tell them about Jesus. Not only did he go back and tell his family, but he became a traveling evangelist to the small towns around him. This man became a teller, a sharer. He went to Evansville, Newburgh, Chandler, and even Boonville. <laughs> if he could find it. And Henderson telling everyone who would listen about a God who loved him enough to save him and to give him back his dignity. That's what God does, man. This dude was out wandering around the caves, cutting himself with stones. And when all the villagers come back and see him with Jesus, he's sitting around a fire fully clothed and eating. God did what God always does. He restored his dignity. Even when you blow it as a Christian, God is always saving you, always seeking to restore you because that's who he is. And legitimate gratitude always leads to legitimate action. He knew what Christ had done for him, but knowing wasn't enough. How about the angels? They were so excited about who Jesus was and what his birth meant that they personally had to share it with the shepherds. Let's look at it again. That night, the shepherds were staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Look at the shepherd's reaction. Luke 2, verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You know, the angels weren't tellers. They were inviters. They, they just said, hey, come see this Jesus. Let us invite you to go see Jesus. Today, I want to stoke the fires of those of you who know Jesus as their Savior. I'm asking you to remember the point in time. Allow your mind to go back when you fully realized that you were no longer lost. When was that day for you? Who was there? 
Who shared Jesus with you? I, I can see mine clearly. For the shepherds, it was the, the angels themselves that led them to the Savior. For me, it was a guy named Brian Haney. We called him Wild Man Bill. He, he was a high school buddy, and he was insane. I remember one time his muffler was loose, and he wanted his dad to buy a new muffler, but his dad said, I'm not going to buy you a new muffler till it falls off. So we went to these trails and drove his car through the woods until his muffler got ripped off. That is a true story. He invited me to West Coast Youth Ranch. I went... People were filled with the Spirit singing. There were gracious people there. And I've got to tell you that I hated every second of it. I hated it. They were singing crazy songs like, I saw the light, I saw the light. And I'm like, I see the exit, I see the exit. <laughs> they were even doing weird hand gestures to songs like, I'll fly away, oh glory. I'm, I had to get out of there. You know, Brian kept inviting me back, and I kept saying, no, 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 no. But, Rick, you don't understand. They're having a pizza blast. Oh, you can eat pizza for two bucks. No. They're, they're doing the world's largest Sunday. Man, they've got these, these roofing gutters, and they're going to make like a 50-foot Sunday. I'm like, no. And then he told me about a ski camp in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And I hadn't seen snow since I moved from Kentucky to Florida, and I, I was in. At that camp, I not only came to know Jesus, but I got called into full-time ministry 38 years ago. Who opened up the gates for you? Who, who was your Brian Haney? Our better question might be, who's Brian Haney or you? Who, who, whose gates are you opening up? L legitimate gratitude always leads to legitimate action. So who are you opening up the doors for? I want to be very practical in our last remaining minutes together. If you have known Jesus for any length of time, then you know that he has called each and every one of us to share the gospel, the message of salvation with the world around us. But my question today is, how are you personally going to do that? What is your part in it? Your part may be vastly different than my part. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 28 Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are called to share the light, but what does that look like for you personally? Do, do you need to head straight to the mall today and start telling everyone at the food court about Jesus? Maybe. Maybe not. Should you grab some Bibles and go up and down your street knocking on doors and sharing the gospel with anybody who will open the door? Maybe. M maybe not. I, I, in my, our new members class last week, I had this couple with five children. One of them, uh, a young guy, now volunteers and does camera work. And, and I said, well, how, how did you come to know Jesus? And, and the lady said to me, she goes, well, you know, this pastor would come knock on my door about every two or three weeks and invite me to his church. And I would say, no. A couple weeks later, hey, you want to go to church? No. A couple weeks later, hey, Easter's coming? No. Shit, he did it so many times. One day I finally said, listen, come in and tell me about your church. And he came in and he led her to Christ. He told her that Jesus loved her enough to die on the cross to pay for her sins. All she had to do was call upon his name to be saved. And she gave her life to Christ. She called up her husband and she said, when you get home tonight, that pastor's coming back and you're going to come to Jesus. And he did. <laughs> What 
should you do? I, I want to give you some, some possible suggestions, some possible wins for you. Invite. May, maybe you're an inviter. What if you just invited someone from school, work, or your neighborhood to a Christmas Eve service here? Or, or, or what if they can't make Christmas Eve, but you invite them to another service here? In John chapter 4, Jesus starts a conversation with a woman in a well, and he asks her for water. And he has a long conversation with her, and he starts revealing all that he knows about her, and she starts talking to him about the Messiah. I want you to look, I want you to look at what she does at the end of the conversation. John chapter 4, verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see what a man who come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Look at the reaction. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. She was just an inviter. She, she didn't share Jesus with him. She said, I, I met this God. I need you to come and see. Brian Haney did not personally lead me to Jesus. But he kept inviting me to a place where I could find Jesus. You know why the second you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you weren't poofed off into heaven? I, I, I've been watching Hallmark Christmas movies, so I now know why we all exist. <laughs> I've become my mother. Seems like in every Hallmark movie, there's a moment like, why am I here? You know why you're here? You're here to lead people to Jesus. Not to be comfortable, not to get your way, not to enjoy every single aspect of the service, but to say, Lord, is this a place where I can legitimately invite my friends where they will come to know Jesus? This is a place where you are to come in and get fed so that you can go back out and lead someone to Jesus. I, I met this precious woman in a heart, one of our members about, I guess it was about three weeks ago, this woman comes up to me and she says, she's beaming, she's got her friend, I'm going to call her friend Karen, not because I don't want to reveal her name, but because I don't remember it, and she has her friend <laughs> with her and she says, this is Karen, she's beaming, she's right, right out there, this is Karen, she's not a Christian, she doesn't know Jesus, I brought her to church this morning. <laughs> I felt like saying, hi, I'm Rick, I'm not a Mormon, I, I didn't know how to react to that. I said, Karen, it's so nice to meet you. I hope you find Jesus here. You know what? Two weeks later, she was there, Karen was there, and Karen brought a friend. And I realized at that moment, she gets it. I don't know that I would have introduced Karen that way. Let me please ask you maybe not to do that. I mean, it worked for her, though. <laughs> but you know what I realized? She gets it. She, she's listening to the neighborhood series. She, she knows the joy of her salvation. And she has started saying, she was beaming because what, what she was saying was, I get it. And I told, I told Karen to come and see. And then Karen told somebody else to come and see. What if you just became the guy or the girl who was always inviting people to come and hear about Jesus? Because let me tell you something about this church. You will hear about Jesus here, and you will meet people who love Jesus here and who look just like Jesus here at Crossroads Christian Church. 
I, I, I love the Holy Spirit here. I love you people. I love the graciousness of the Spirit. I, I would invite anybody here. Brian Haiti didn't personally lead me to Jesus, but he kept inviting me to a place where I could find Jesus. All of us can invite people to Christmas Eve services or weekend, weekend services. And you know what I would call that? If that's what you do, I would call that a big win. I would call that a huge win for the kingdom. Just come and see. Maybe you tell. Maybe you tell. Maybe you're, you're a teller or a talker. Romans 10 verse 14 says, Paul writes this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they call on Jesus if they don't believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? You're a storyteller. You're like the demon-possessed man who was just so grateful, he just started launching out all around the neighborhood just telling people about Jesus. Anybody who would listen, you have no problem with communication. and You can easily share your face with faith with the lost world around you or maybe you're a little bit afraid but you're going to go out and practice my mom bless her heart she used to work for an organization in, in louisville called ied innovative electronic design and they make they make light boards for like major football stadiums across the country and my mom would come home and she would say rick i i shared jesus today with with my coworker, she goes, but I think I messed it up. I, I mean, I said this, what do you think? I really wasn't sure of the words. I, and I said, mom, if you are opening your mouth to share Jesus Christ, that is a huge win. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will speak for us. Yeah, I, I remember we had this, we had this thing back in Florida. We, we brought like 300 kids from all these high schools a, a, across the city. And we brought in this professional football player to speak and I got to tell you he was the worst speaker I've ever heard in my life absolutely nothing like me at all and <laughs> he was terrible and I remember and I'm not lying I remember sitting out where you are thinking oh my gosh this has been a waste of a night 60 kids gave their life to Christ that night you want to know why because it's not what you say it's what the Holy Spirit says through you maybe you're just a teller you have no problem with communication. If you are opening your mouth to share Christ with the lost world around you, I would call that a big, huge win. You know what? Maybe, maybe you send. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you invite. Sometimes you invite. Maybe, maybe you tell sometimes. But maybe, maybe you're a sender. I got to tell you, I love senders. I have a massive spot in my heart for senders. You love the foreign mission field or even the local mission field on your block. You love all that the church does, but the thought of going makes you break out in hives. Paul goes on to say this in Romans 10. Right after he says that, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? He says this next. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Listen, I, I, remember, I remember when I got called to the mission field in Poland. 
And I, I remember just, just I, I knew I had to go. I had gone over there. I, I, I wasn't bringing Jesus to Poland. I was joining the work of the Holy Spirit in Poland. And I remember calling our elder and saying, Matt, Matt Chalfont was his name. I said, Matt, I said, man, God has called me to the mission field, and I have to go. And I'll never forget the next words that he said, oh, great. Now you're going to become a beggar for Jesus. And I took that as a badge of honor because I begged people to support the work there. I, I, this shouldn't shock you, but I would sit in Starbucks on Rosetta Stone and learn Polish and have person after person come into that coffee shop to sit with me so I could ask them to support me on the mission field. And now there is a thriving church of over 400 in a city that had never had a Christian church. And there's a Christian school there. As a result of that, I thank God for the senders. And I believe wholeheartedly that if there comes any time when I'm standing up in heaven and somebody from Poland walks up and says, I'm here because you led me to Christ, I believe that every one of those givers is going to be standing next to me because I don't believe that my role was any more important than their role. I believe that with all my heart and soul. Take it from a beggar for Jesus. You may never find yourself sitting in a coffee shop in Yemen talking about the church plant, but you'll support a missionary there. I don't know if you know this, but our, our, we have a goal to plant five campuses all around this area. Starting a church is the most evangelistic thing that you can do. We want to put 10 families on missions fields over the next five years. We want to help plant a new church every year. Our heart's desire is to reach out to the gospel, to be senders ourselves. Maybe you're not dreaming about standing on a stage in front of thousands of people. That's my Disneyland, but it might be your nightmare. But perhaps God has put it in your heart to support those who do, and you have the means to do it, whether it be a little or a lot. Listen, if you are supporting the work of Christ through a local church and a mission, then keep it up. You are desperately needed. I would call you a huge win, a big win. In fact, let me encourage you to give generously to the Heart for the House project right here at Crossroads. Our goal is to make it easy for people and families to come and feel right at home here to find the love of Christ and people who love Jesus just or just who loves them just like Jesus loves them. You know the number one thing a family worries about when they walk into a church or any institution for that matter? How well are they going to take care of my kids and where do I put my kids and how clean is it when they walk in and it's congested and it's scary and it, 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 they get afraid and they walk out and they never come back. We want to widen up that hallway. We don't want to make this the easiest place in the world for families to come to Christ. We want people to walk in and say, hey, I'm comfortable with this place. That's part of the goal for Heart for the House. Also, our goal is to plant campuses around our five campuses around our tri-state area. In Acts chapter 15, the apostles got together to, to talk about taking the gospel to the Gentiles. The, 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 the Jews had it down and they had the gospel, but it was so precious and was so valuable that they literally wondered, do we give this away? It is just so amazing. They, they really weren't sure about sharing, but here's the conclusion they came to at their council. Acts chapter 15, verse 19. And so it is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We want to make our church the easiest place in the world to find Jesus. My question to you today is, what 
is your part in all of that. I, I want us all to really remember Jesus, but I don't want you to just remember Jesus this season. I, I want us all to do something about it. Legitimate action, legitimate gratitude always, always leads to legitimate action. So what? What's your action plan? Who are you in all this? What is God calling you to do? Let me pray. Father, we love you and worship you and praise you. We do not, do not let us lose the joy of our salvation. God, don't let us get caught up in silliness and anger and craziness and, and confusion. Let us simply know I am going to heaven when I, when I die because Jesus loves me. And I can't wait to share that with somebody else. That is our purpose. Father, what's my part? Answer that question for every one of us this morning, Dad. We love you and we worship you and we praise you. God, give these amazing people an amazing Christmas. And God, send a little snow, would you? We love you. Don't listen to the ones that just said not amen to that, Lord. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.